Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. Every game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan with a pregame show and a postgame show, all that included and available on the go on the Odyssey app. And one of the voices that you hear every game on the broadcast is with me right now in studio. It's Rodney Ashby. What's up, Awad? How are you, man? Thanks man. for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so out Early of shape, in the season. dude. I walked up the stairs to get you. I'm like out of breath already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's early in the season. Yeah, it's right. early in the season. You're still breaking it in. <laughs> I am. Uh, so Rams got a, a big game on Friday at the Seagull Center. Um, you know, ha- when you have a tough defeat like that in game one against McNeese State, how do you kind of move past that? Well, I think, you know, the good thing about young college kids is they turn the page pretty quick. Um I think the staff had some takeaways. It sounds like um, that they were going to try to some easy fixes that they were going to try to fix. And um, I think ultimately, you know, it's it's not a secret that that look nobody nobody wanted to start the season this way, including right. the kids, the, the coaching staff. It's it's not how they they drew up the Disney the Disney uh, movie, right? Yeah. But look, it's a long season. You can't judge a team off one game. Um, everybody in that building and every every fan wanted to win it, um, but that'd be like ju- judging a restaurant off water service. You know, right, it's right, too early. Right. Let's 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 ease into it. You know um, that 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 team was coached by Will Wade. Will came in and lost a game to Queens College. I think it might have even been his first game. If it wasn't, it was the second season, and that team went to the NCAA tournament. So let's let's ease into the season a little bit. No, it didn't start like anybody wanted it to start. But look, there's there's some there's some juice left in this team, and um, they're they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to fix they're going to fix some things, and they're going to get some wins under their belt. You know, my my guesstimate is they they start a win streak tomorrow. Let me let's talk about this a little bit about the adjustments that you think they will make here. I mean, are you thinking like rotational adjustments, uh, no, point guard I, duties? What are you thinking? Well, you know, and here's the other thing: very similar to last year, we're starting. The season without one of our key players, yeah. Sean Barristow has a Jones, Jones fracture, had surgery on it. Um, I haven't been updated on it recently, but you know, at the when time when it happened, it was going to be a six to eight week, you know, missing him. And other than Max Shulga, you know, he is a one of the was going to be one of the key players that Coach Odom brought in with him. And we're, we can look at this two ways. I mean, oh, woe is me, or we can say, look. Last year we took advantage of it. Some guys got some minutes that didn't get, wouldn't have probably got those minutes otherwise. Yeah. And then later in the year that helped us, you know. And so I think we have to look at it like that. But you know, we started the season a little bit short. I don't think rotational wise it'd be too early to I think to make a change. You know, last year we made a change when we put Nick Kern in the lineup yeah. and we really saw some stuff. But that was eight, ten games in. That really wasn't like one game in. Right. You know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater yet. Yeah, and you make a great point with, with Bearstow. I mean, he w- he was brought in here because he was going to kind of help out everyone else figure out the Ryan Odom offense. And, you know, we talk about this in the NFL. Like when a new head coach comes over, he's got to bring some players that understand his system. And so I think that hurt the offense. What I noticed is I felt like guys were kind of – shot happy from the outside. And we didn't get as many easy looks at the basket that I would have liked. We are going to shoot more from the outside. 
and we will shoot better than we did the other night. Yeah. And, you know, we only had 14 turnovers, but I think when you take that many three-pointers, you got to say, okay, for every two or three three-pointers missed, it's kind of, you know, similar to a turnover type situation. But that's his offense. You know, I think he didn't get as many paint touches as he would have liked, either through penetration or through entering the ball through the um, through the post. And I think that made some of those three-pointers a little bit more difficult. They're still learning his system. It has been a in the in the grand scheme of things, he really hasn't had that many practices with these kids. And remember, he had to make an adjustment just a week before, week and a half prior to starting with Sean Barristow, uh, you know, breaking his foot. So, yeah. a lot of new things coming into this team. A lot of new systems. Nine new guys. I mean, it's just a lot of. A lot of new things to learn. Yeah, and team chemistry is going to be important, and I think they'll figure that out by the time we get to conference play. Rodney Ashby with us here in the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hot seat here on Richmond's home for VCU basketball. There were three bright spots that I would point to from the game, and I want to get your take on all three of these guys. Number one, Michael Bell. Statistically, it didn't like he you know, jumped out of the page here on the box score. Seven points, two steals, two blocks, two assists, four rebounds. And, but like when you watch the game with your eyes, it felt like he was all over the place. Yeah, you know he's a guy that um, played some big games last year in his pro, you know, semi-pro type um, situation in France. You know, yeah. he's from he's from England, but he played in um, played in France last year. But even coming from that, when you come and start playing Division One. Basketball, the game is still a little fast for him. And the only way, you know, the analogy that I've used is I want you to um, get in your car on Broad Street and I want you to have the bike lanes on one side. You got the, you got the uh, pulse lane on the right. other side. Put your windows down, turn the radio up all the way. And go 100 miles down the street. Down, <laughs> down the street. That's what college basketball is like. That's what you're trying. And then it's going to slow down. So yeah. it'll be like, okay, next game, maybe he's not going 100 miles an hour. He's going 75, and he can see things a little bit better, right? Yeah. And then he'll get a little bit slower. But I agree. You Look, he's, he's built like a college basketball player. Yeah. I mean, he, he checks the all-airport team box without a doubt. He's going to give us some good minutes. I saw some bright spots. He moves well without the ball. Yeah. You know, I think that's going to be key in, in uh, Coach Odom's system. I, I see him having a really, really nice career here at um, – you know, in the black and gold. And you know, I've heard people say, compare him to Travion Graham, you know, yep. plus three or four inches, right? Because yeah. he's a little taller than than Travion was. So um, there was a lot of people after Michael Bell, including, you know, our, our arch rival, one of our arch rivals in the um, in the conference, Dayton, yeah. you know, really wanted, really came down to the two of us. And he had some other schools early that he kind of eliminated. He's going to be big time for VCU. Max Shulga was pulling up from deep, 6 of 10 from three-point range, finishes the game with 22 points, four assists, and I felt like he was trying to take over and single-handedly bring us back into it. And He could be our guy in clutch situations all season long. He also was getting guarded by one-and-a-half guys every single every single possession. Okay. So, um, you know, they played – Coach Odom said they were just switching one through five, you know – he does it for eleven. I'm going to assume that it looked like a matchup zone, mm-hmm. you know, to me, kind of. Um, but it, they were switching one through five, but they always had an extra half to a second guy on him. So the fact that he did that in his first game, and you know, look, Zeb knocks down a couple of those shots he misses. It gets a little harder to guard him with a with a man and a half. So I see that happening. But uh, you know, I think first game in black and gold, first game, yeah, uh, at VCU, love it. 
Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Zeb Jackson, 14 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. I mean, almost a triple-double in his first game uh, starting point guard this season for the Rams. And he's a captain, right? Well, look, and it couldn't happen to a better person. Yeah. I mean, um, I've got a chance to get to know him. You know, I, I run the collective for, for VCU, you know, the Havoc Unlimited Collective, and got to spend a lot of time with him this summer because um, he was one of only, you know, three players that we we had available to us, you know, this summer. Um and getting to know him and his family, it this could not happen to a better person. He's a captain. He was really him and Fats were kind of the the um, core group to help recruit all of these new players that came in. Yeah. And without those their support, you know, Coach Odom um, getting the support of those two guys, it would have been really tough to bring in the type of players that we brought in. And we brought in some really good guys, you know. And I think he was the, he was kind of the um, the core foundation of that. Rodney Ashby with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You mentioned you run the Havoc Collective. People want more information about that. Where can they go? Oh, we just launched our brand new website, same on opening day. So you can go to www.havocunltd.com. That's awesome. So check that out today for more information. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. More VCU basketball conversation coming up next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. And every Thursday on AWOD Radio, we go inside the Ram Horns, and that is presented by the Red Door Guys. We love the Red Door Guys. They sponsored our trip to Brooklyn last year. What a successful trip. Three wins in four days, and the Rams become A-10 champions. So this is Inside the Ram Horns, presented by the Red Door Guys. And I'm joined by Rodney Ashby once again. What's going on? Oh, man, I'm just loving being being back in the studio with you. You know that, that good time of the year is coming when I'm getting getting to sit beside you in the studio. Absolutely, and and you haven't been in the studio since we got the uh, Final Four I poster. I just was looking at that, man. It's vintage over there. Oh, yeah. I feel like we need to get a new one. Yeah, and look, we got the uh, VCU uh, scarf up there. I like oh, soccer. Big win last night. They're oh, going to yeah. be in the championship game on Sunday at Sportsbacker Stadium. You know, look it up, see what time it is, and uh, come out and support those guys. They've been playing. Coach Giff has those guys playing great at the perfect time. Yeah, no, it's always awesome uh, checking out VCU soccer. I broadcasted a few games while I was in school, uh, but VCU basketball at home at the Siegel Center this Friday against Samford. What is your game preview for that matchup? You know, they're a team. That um, they won the SoCon last year. They were picked fourth this year. They have, um, you know, one of their best players back. He's a preseason SoCon, um, you know, first team player. Uh, they had another kid uh, that just that played. They played Purdue on the first night and they got doubled up. I mean, mm. so they, you know, they took a whip at Zach Eady. You know, they, yeah, it's a, that's a tough, tough guard. But um, you know, the Jermaine Marshall, who's their preseason all SoCon. For the second straight season, they have Jaden Campbell, who scored 11 of the 45 points. So he's he's playing well. But the thing that concerns me is the teams that are doing well in college basketball right now, even though it's you know we've only one or two nights in, are the teams that have some seniority and some experience. Yeah, and they start a sophomore, two juniors, a senior, and a grad and a graduate student. So regardless of the name on the jersey, if you've got some some experience and seniority, they're going to give teams a hard time. Yeah. So you know it's another it's a it's going to be a tough task, but I think it's one that we can we can handle. And again, I think we're going to start our win streak um, on Friday night. 
I believe so as well. And we talked all offseason about Ryan Odom's offense, but it was the defense that struggled game one. What did you notice that went wrong defensively? You know, I think um, when we play our offense um, in in practice, you know, we're playing man-to-man defense. And I think that um, we, our offense, actually against that zone or the switching all five all five guys, we weren't quite used to that. We just haven't had enough practices to be fully efficient in that yet. And then on our defensive side, you know, I think we've had to spend so much time getting our offensive system in. We haven't been able to spend as much time on defense as we had. I mean, remember, we're limited on the amount of time that we can practice with these guys, mm-hmm. you know, especially with, with them all together. And so I think that we need some more practices. We need some more time. And as time goes on, this team's going to gel, and, and, and you're going to see a really, really fun team to watch. Yeah, I, I was frustrated because I feel like we have too much size and length to be giving up as much layups as we did. Like There were a few times where guys got to the basket, and there was no help defender there uh, to be a rim protector. Now, it's a little more difficult this year. Have y'all talked about the, um, the new point of emphasis this year in college basketball is the block charge call? Yeah. And basically, you're going to have to have built a house, foundation, maybe on your you know second refinance in order to draw the charge this year. <laughs> you got to be there a full second in advance. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you are heading towards the basket on a drive, you really need to have already been there mm-hmm. to, to do that. And there's a lot of block calls. It's going to take a while for all teams to adjust to that. Yeah. I think there was... But I like that change though, I because I used to be, you know drive me crazy when people just slide in at the last yeah, second. Six or seven block calls last game. Okay, to maybe two charge calls. Um, that's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to get to here was, so I noticed that we didn't get many easy buckets. All right, and I felt like in transition, you know, three on two fast breaks, three on one fast breaks. I don't know if the guys were being too unselfish, like passing back and forth, but there were a lot of turnovers that led to easy buckets for McNeese State where, hey, we should have gotten a layup here, but instead they're now going four on three. Yeah. You know, I think that last year we got a lot of you know transition points or points off turnovers yeah. because our defense was a different type of defense than we're playing now. And that is what causes a lot of um, – a lot of you know points in transition is when you have that strong defense like that. The second thing is they were taking a lot of three pointers too, but unfortunately they were making them. Long rebounds can create fast breaks too. So yeah. though the fast breaks we did get were kind of off those uh, missed long shots that they had. So um, again, I still think they're they're working the kinks out. They're still learning each other, um, but. I, I see this team. I saw some bright spots. Some, you know, we saw some four or five minute spurts where we made runs at the at McNeese State, where I could say, okay, if we can do this for a longer period of time, be more consistent in those areas that made us successful, I can see see the Rams really having a good year. We talked a lot about losing Ace Baldwin, the Defensive Player of the Year, yep. Jaden Nunn. I mean, it's going to be impossible to replace those guys. I like the guys we you have. Know, in they're the all starting court. too. Oh yeah, you know, Jameer Watkins starting at Florida State. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Deloach starting at Georgia. Um, you know, Jade Nunn, I don't think he's starting, but he's getting some significant. He got some serious minutes getting, the other night. Yeah, seri- I saw that. He's getting starter minutes, right. you know, regardless. Um, Ace and Nick Kern both starting for for Penn State. Yeah. I mean, trying to replace all of that in two months, 
that's that's a huge task. Right. But I feel good about the guys we have in the backcourt. I'm a little worried about the front court uh, with with Christian Furman. Uh, didn't have a great game. Roosevelt Wheeler wasn't able to score at all. And I don't think it's on those guys as much as, hey, I need Zeb Jackson, Max Scholga, Jason Nelson to get those guys more involved you know, with driving dishes. And so when we were talking about those moments of consistency that I liked and we'd like to see them longer, it was when we were, were able to penetrate, get some paint touches, and then dump off to the bigs and finish. I mean, right. Toby Lawal was either three for three. He was or three four for three four. with three, three dunks. Th- yeah. yeah. Three. I mean, that's what we needed. The easy penetrate. buckets. But then they started slacking off, and then Max was our primary penetrator, and then they were helping and guarding him with a man and a half. It just made it tough for us to get into the paint. Yeah, Kwani Kwani is such a special player because he can handle the rock. He's so lengthy. I- I've been saying if he was like three years younger, I think there'd be NBA scouts at every single game because of uh, the upside that he has um, with his skill level here. He was 0 for 4 from 3. I don't want to tell him to stop shooting the 3, but I also think with his size, you got to get him in the paint. Yeah, and he's got the green light, but he's not going to be your typical back to back to the basket player. I mean, right. So if that's we need to redefine success for Kwani Kwani. If that's if you think he's going to be a back to the basket type big, that's not him. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a slasher. He's going to be a scorer. He can shoot better than he shot the other night. I think everybody had a little bit of oh the lights are on. A little bit of butterflies. Yeah. You know they'll work their way out. I know they're practicing at the stew today, uh, not in the BDC. Um, so I think that's, you know, getting some more reps there as well. Rodney Ashby hanging out with us here in the Hadid Mercer rug cleaning hotline, and he is in charge of the Havoc Collective, all right? So the Havoc Unlimited Collective is an organization that was established to empower student-athletes at VCU by harnessing the potential of NIL, name, image, and likeness opportunities uh, through their dedicated initiatives. They not only create a dynamic platform for student-athletes to maximize their individual brands, but also cultivate cultivate a uh, nurturing environment that fosters personal development and more. And so uh, we want to get everyone involved with the Havoc Collective. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that the way that these guys are earning their NIL money is through community projects. And, um, you know, through some of our corporate partners, they might be hosting a uh, like Synergy Technical. I saw that Um, with Zeb, yeah. Yeah, they've been doing a lot out in the community with lots of different organizations um, we did. We we were active with the SPCA. Um, you know, we've done some um, women empowerment with Mayola. I mean, we've done a lot of really good work so far in the community. But not only with the work that we're doing out in the community um, to to support the community that supports us, but these kids are learning how to some real life things, right? They yeah. learn about taxes. They're learning about <laughs> they're learning about contracts and negotiation and expectations and um, you know, they're learning about financial literacy. I mean, they, they're also getting developed in this. And that's, that's what I love about this collective. And, you know, being a part of it has been brought such a joy, joy to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, an interesting part about college basketball that people forget is that a lot of the job coaches have to do is also raise these kids. They're kids. Yeah. They're kids. You know, like you see them out there and they look like men and they yeah. are, but, right. but they're really kids. I mean, they're 18 year old kids. Right, especially Roosevelt Wheeler though. He looks like he Woo! could be thirty-five. Man, <laughs> I mean, we talked about Michael so Bell. Yeah, we talked about Michael Bell checking the All Airport right. team. Now that's another one. Roosevelt Wheeler absolutely does, and I think he's still finding his footing. You know, here, how is he going to play a role within this offense? And um, look, Coach Odom has been around this game a lot, a long time. 
great staff. He brought um, some staff with him, brought some new guys back, like Darius Theus and Brandon, Bradford Burgess and yeah. um, those, those type of guys. They're going to figure this out. Well, They're going to find a way to have him, Roosevelt Wheeler, have an active part in, in this offense. And you just mentioned it. Like, it's a whole new staff, too. So, like, you know, Darius Theus and Bradford Burgess, they're back at VCU, but they're probably still uncomfortable with their role because it's so new. It is new. I would think the only staff member, um, two staff members stayed. Roos. Roos. Um, and then our trainer, Jay Wall. Yeah. So, um, two key positions. So, glad that we were able to keep consistency there because the guys that came back trust them and you know, look, Jay Wall's been really busy. We've had a couple guys in concussion protocol during the preseason. So, you know, there's a lot of things behind the curtains that don't get talked about a lot that created even more, because it sounds like excuses, created more challenges for Coach Odom and his staff. And, you know, also each staff member is learning their swim lane right now and, and where they're going to do. And the other day I saw um, Darius participating in the in the scouting report and, and then Matt jumping in on the scouting report. They're fi- figuring it out, and together – it's going to. It's a phenomenal staff. You got Bradford Burgess doing player development. I mean, is there a better? Per, I mean, his, his numbers in the rafters. Right. I mean, and he was a guy that made an immediate impact his freshman. He year. He did started his freshman year. Yeah. yeah. And Michael Bell now. Yep. It, and that's what they. You know, they kind of was comparing that that type situation. And um, let me tell you something. If Michael Bell's career finishes like Bradford's does, we can get you a new poster. <laughs> That's Rodney Ashby. You can hear him alongside Robbie Robinson on the call via Rams Unlimited right here on 910 The Fan. I've got you set tomorrow with the pregame coverage live from the Commonwealth Yeah, room. how did that go the other night? Man, I think that's a really neat event. I mean, an opportunity to go to the Commonwealth Room if you if you have access to that and get to hear AWOD's pregame. Is, <laughs> you know, because that's a lot of times if you're already in their arena, you don't get to hear that that insight and some of the things that you've, you know, the uh, scouting report and things like that. But now with the Commonwealth, got the speakers set up. It's a great opportunity to go in there and uh, and uh, hear about it. Absolutely. And you mentioned the first game jitters. I definitely had first game jitters. I like doing the radio show because I can scream and shout. Nobody's looking at me right in the Commonwealth room. I was like, oh, my goodness, I feel like an animal in the zoo. Well, you feel like the celebrity that you are. I, I guess so. Wear it. Go ahead you and wear need to, it. You need to stop by. That's I will. What I, I will. Need. How about this? Friday. I, you tell me what time to come by Friday night. I'll come by Friday. That sounds good. That's Rodney Ashby. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders, who have a chance to get back to 500 with a road victory this weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, General Greenberg in the AWOD Army, sports writer for the Washington Post, Neil Greenberg. What's going on, Neil? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing well here, and uh, I'm, I'm fired up that the Commanders got that win against the Patriots. And uh, I felt like the season would have been over if they lose that game, and the fan base would have had... You know, no reason to watch except for watching Sam Howell, but I- I'm actually grasping at a playoff spot now after that win. Well, they're only one one win out of the uh, wild card spot, and they, they, I mean, they have they have a chance to get their their own destiny back in their hands. Um, you know, a win against Seattle certainly uh, furthers their cause, and then you know you play the the Giants, who you know are having all sorts of issues on both sides of the of the ball. Um, and then coming out of the bye week, you have the Rams and Jets. Um, who knows what the 49ers and Cowboys rosters will look like during the final two weeks of the season. 
Um, if they're, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, depending on where they're at in terms of their di- division um, and their playoff spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely optimistic. And like you said, the win against New England, um, you know, after the sell-off of uh, two of their defensive ends in uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, you know, certainly put them back on the path to at least being in the mix for a playoff spot. Neil, last time we spoke, you felt strongly that Sam Howell was not the guy. How are you feeling about QB1 in Washington now after two straight uh, good performances? Um, he's definitely trending in the right direction. Um, you know, he had two of his, uh, you know, probably two of his best performances, I think, overall. He looked really good against New England. Um, not to say that New England is a is a litmus test for, for quarterbacks, but, um, you know, he only really had one poor throw that game, only took – um, um, he took three sacks, uh, which for him is is not a bad day. Um, he only took one sack the week before, um, so he's certainly trending in the right direction. Um, my question just is, you know, how how long can it last, right? I mean, the more tape you get on on anybody, especially quarterbacks, um, the more defenses are able to scheme around it. Um, and like I said, Seattle will be a pretty tough um, tough opponent. Um, then the Giants shouldn't be, but then you have Dallas and. In Miami going into the the bye week, so um, but I think overall this trajectory is certainly on the upswing, and uh, if the sack issue is a problem of the past, you know they kind of um, retooled the offensive line a little bit, and you know if he can if he can stay upright, I think that um, you know there's definitely a reason for optimism. And, 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 you know, you have to be impressed in which the speed in which he's progressing, and I think part of it is because of the amount of throws that Biennemi forced him to make in the first few weeks of the season, right? I mean, that's really helping him develop quickly. Yeah, well, he's got no choice, right? I mean, it's the, the, the whole baptism by fire type yeah. thing. Um, I <clears throat> I have concerns about the frequency of passing because I think, if you know, the more one-dimensional you are in the NFL, the worse it is. Um, but, the you know, the team is at an interesting crossroads here because – like you said, they beat New England, keeps them kind of in the playoff hunt. Um, you know, depending on what direction they go in has, you know, both pluses and minuses, right? If they if they make a hard push for the playoffs um, and they get in as a wild card, you know, the chances of them advancing one game is, is relatively low, I would imagine. Um, if, they're, if they make the push um, and do make the playoffs or if they just miss, their, their draft pick isn't as good. Um, you know, if they if they did decide to pack it in, which obviously they're not, but if they do end up going on a losing skid, you know, you 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 have to deal with fans' disinterest, um, and then you know it's, it becomes um, you know I guess more difficult on a guy like Sam Howell to to try to go out there every week if you know things aren't clicking. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of what direction the team goes in after this week. Defensively, they had a good performance against the Patriots, holding them to 17 points. And uh, I you know I kind of argued it, it could have been uh, even less than that, right? If Brian Robinson doesn't have the fumble that gets them uh, the ball in the red zone, then of course the 64-yard run that was embarrassing uh, defensively by the Commanders, another explosive play. But besides those two, uh, you know, kind of drives, they were excellent. Uh, but they also didn't get much pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you know, so what do you make of the defense here uh, after the Patriots game? The defense isn't good. I, I don't think I'm, I'm breaking any news there. Um, I think the biggest challenge is, 
Um, you know, the, the pass rush was a problem. The linebacker play was a problem. <clears throat> you trade two of your best defensive linemen. Um, you know, it's only going to exacerbate the problem. Um, I think the, I think the real story of the defense was uh, Emmanuel Forbes having a, a probably his best game as a pro. Um, and I I do think that the the secondary is what's going to fuel the the pressure up front because if the you know if a quarterback has to go deeper than his first read um, or has no one to throw to, then obviously that makes things a lot easier on the defensive line. So I think. Um, you know, depending on how much more, you know, he can improve, can he be depended to to go one-on-one against the, you know, other team's best wideout or second-best wideout, that'll, you know, time will tell. Um, but, you know, I do think that that was probably the story of the week in terms of you know, being able to limit a New England offense, which you know, hasn't been great this season, but still, I mean, to see, you know, Emmanuel Forbes finally get some some pixels for doing the right things was was probably a good thing for the team overall. Neil Greenberg with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. General Greenberg and the AWOD Army. Follow him on social media at N Greenberg, sports writer and stats geek for the Washington Post. I've been waiting all day to ask you this question, Neil. Why is Ron Rivera so good in the month of November? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I... My my working theory is he comes in the preseason with a game plan and maybe doesn't deviate too much from it until this part of the season. That's really the only thing that I can come up with. I, I he probably wants to do some things, see where he's at, um, and then maybe you know he starts to make some changes. Obviously, there were some wholesale changes on the offensive line. Eric Bieniemy also made some some big changes in offensive schemes in terms of, you know, helping Sam Howell get the ball out quicker, calling different styles of plays, that sort of thing. Um, That's my working theory. I'm just guessing like everybody else, but um, that would be my theory is that he's, he's okay with, you know, a little bit of September, all of October to, to do what he, what he planned on doing. And then this is the time of year he starts to tinker. Neil, always appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Do you promise to serve the AWOD Army and no other army? Do you swear to serve the DMV with the passion and energy as AWOD does? <laughs> I do, unless my current employer calls me up uh, via conscription. But otherwise, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I read this online. The more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in combat from Navy SEALs. AWOD says, the more you yell on the radio, the more the listeners take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not the only one prescribing to that uh <laughs> that mantra. I hear a lot of yelling on, on sports talk radio, usually at me, but uh, it definitely, definitely works. Neil, thanks so much, man. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Yep. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. Final segment of the day coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, always available on the go on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. Yeah. The Odyssey app is free, and it's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and the best damn sports talk here in town with MP on the mic, live and local from 10 to noon. I take over from 12 to 3, and you can always check out the podcast, Best of AWOD Radio, available for you on your ride home by searching AWOD Radio on Spotify and iTunes. And there was a lot going on at the radio station today, and uh, we had a last-minute 
situation here where we needed to call in a pinch hitter, and uh, it was damn Ho- Dan Hobgood who stepped in. Dan, we appreciate your hard work, man. <laughs> I think you had it right the first time. Yeah, damn Hobgood. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> not was, damn Hobgood. This is your again. first time pinch hitting on the sports station. It is. In fact, I think this is my first time on air in the Odyssey Network. Oh, really? Even though I've even I've though been your downstairs. dad does a show every well, Monday. Well, this is fitting. He does the show. Has done it for about fifteen years, I think, in this very studio. So yeah. I believe that. So you've fact- never you've never come to take your dad take your son to work day, huh? <laughs> well, I've come, but I've never been on the air. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm strictly forbidden on the air on who's <laughs> talking because I'm not technically a who. Oh, really? Right. But you did tell Could've me been, that you are been. the number two person to ask. That's right. About That's right. The, well, the number two Hobgood. The number two Hobgood. <laughs> you know, if you can get if you can get the the heavy hitter, the major leaguer, you know. But I'm I'm the I'm the minor league bush league substitute. Uh, <laughs> Let's go to the bullpen because uh, the other guy isn't available. <laughs> All right, so UVA with a football game tonight yeah. against Louisville. Let's hope that they can work the magic that they worked in Chapel Hill Dude, a couple uh, like, weeks ago. I, I think there's a possibility that Maybe. they could they've, keep it close. They've played, they've played teams close. Yeah, that's been the issue with the year two. It's early in the Tony Elliott era is they haven't closed games. Right. right. I mean, you had the game earlier this year where Calandria had the win and then what, he took his helmet off? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Got to win close games. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the one positive thing about UVA football right now is you might have the best two wide receivers in the ACC. Virginia managed to, to come up with some good offensive talent at the skill positions. Yeah, and if we could only do the same thing for well, maybe the trenches. Yeah, I'll say. I wanted to go around the NFL real quick with you though, because you mentioned you were a Steelers fan, and Jim Rome during the commercial break yeah. uh, just went in on George Pickens. Not without good reason. Okay, so what is your take on this situation here? Is there friction right now in Pittsburgh? Hard to believe that, at least to some extent, there is not. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some rumblings through the the grapevine about some players eye-rolling at some of the Pickens' antics. I I do think that the Steelers are in damage control now. Mike Tomlin at his weekly press conference a couple days ago ago referred to the Pickens ordeal as a pebble in his shoe. uh, Mm. That isn't anything compared to some of the other issues and problems that he has to deal with on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. Uh, Whether that's true, who knows, but but I think that the, the Steelers are trying at this point to flip the page and move on and and focus on other things or try to present other things uh, for, for the for the media and for the, the fans to be talking about other than George Pickens and, and his not-so-team-friendly uh, not, not, no, not so attitude sometimes. What I don't understand with the Steelers this year is they're 5-3, they're and three, second yeah. in the AFC North, but Najee Harris is struggling, and he is they killing my fantasy team. They have needed to move team. on from him and switch to Jalen Warren in the yeah, worst way. But for, like, what's going on with yesterday? him? I mean, because it, he was he was so great in college, and it feels like to me. And you're yeah. watching the game more than yeah. me, but it feels like he's kind of stutter stepping too much in the backfield. Yeah, you run circles around me with all the other teams, but I I do feel as though I'm as close to a layperson expert on the Steelers as one can be. He does not seem to have very good field vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, you mentioned his stats in college. Obviously in college, playing for Alabama with the best of the best at pretty much all of the positions on the field, much less just the skill positions. But the Steelers' offensive line, in NFL terms, you know, relatively speaking, is not quite the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, And that's been an issue, at least for Najee Harris. For whom has it not been much of an issue? 
Well, his backup, Jalen Warren. Yeah, Jalen Warren's got quick feet. He's got the speed where he doesn't he really need the, the holes. He sees the feet. He just sees where he needs to go when he goes. And sometimes he doesn't get much in the way of yardage, but he seems to get more four, five, eight, or ten yard gains than Najee does on a regular basis. Yesterday we talked about an article that came out, and it said, oh, there was all the hype preseason about the AFC East. We're going to be the best division in football, mm. right? Because the Jets got Rodgers. Patriots, they thought we're going to be decent this year with Belichick. The Dolphins, they've been good. The Bills, everyone knew that they'd be you know, a Super Bowl contender. But really, the division to beat has been the AFC North. Surprise, surprise. I mean, perennially, certainly if you took just this century, I think you'd have to say that the AFC North is, is kind of the juggernaut division. It's certainly the, the, the tough division where with teams all in – the northern part of the country, you get those cold weather games where where hard defense and, and tough running and sledding is, is, a, is an issue, certainly by the time we get to around this point in the season and, and onward. Well, I think you mentioned it right there. That's why the AFC North is so good is because all four of those teams play defense. And we have seen in the last few years quarterback play around the NFL yeah. has gone down. Yeah. Right. And a lot of teams like recently are playing backups. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially Cleveland, like inside of your own uh, division has won some games with PJ Walker and Deshaun. And so there's the quarterback play has been down, but the defense play in the AFC North has been up. Personally, I picked the Ravens to win the division and I have them as a Super You're Bowl a contender. You're a smarter man than I am. I picked them to finish fourth. You did. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I just knew that Lamar Jackson, after all the hoopla in the offseason, was going to get back to his MVP form and he has done so. Uh, well, I'll repeat a stat that I repeated to you. Maybe my problem is I watch too many Steelers games featuring Lamar Jackson. But yeah. Fun factoid for all the, the listening audience out there. Lamar Jackson, in his entire career, has failed to beat the Steelers' designated QB1 even one time. And he won't face off against the Steelers again until the final game of the season. His MVP season, who was injured the whole year? Big Ben? Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. And let's, let's extrapolate. Ben Roethlisberger is healthy. Lamar Jackson probably doesn't win either one of those games. The Ravens don't win the AFC North. They don't get a buy in the playoffs, and Lamar Jackson doesn't sniff the MVP trophy. I love how this went from so, pro Steelers to anti-Baltimore. Well, at least at least Lamar. Look, I saw Lamar almost lose to a hapless Virginia team when when he was having his Heisman season at Louisville, and and by a fingertip on a fourth down. If that fingertip had been just an inch to the other direction, Lamar Jackson loses that game and probably doesn't win the Heisman Trophy either. Uh, but but I think Baltimore has an excellent coaching staff. Yeah. I'm a big John Harbaugh fan. I me wish too. I were as much of a Mike Tomlin fan <laughs> as I am a John Harbaugh fan. John Harbaugh reminds me of a former Steelers coach named Bill, Bill Cowher. Cowher. I knew you were going to say And Bill <laughs> Cowher, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to say this. Hot take. Bill Cowher is the best coach that the Steelers ever had. Well, I mean, he certainly has the, the now, trophies def- to I'll go I'll defend with it. it. Well, he has one at least, but I'll defend it. Both Chuck Knoll and Mike Tomlin, for the vast majority of their time as Steelers head coach had first ballot Hall of Fame franchise quarterbacks. Cower had one for three years. And look at what he did in that time with baby Ben. Dan, um, we're going to have to have yeah. you pinch hit once again because yeah. we're bleeding over to Grant and Danny. Oh, good deal. They're yeah. coming up next right here on 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM.